Welcome to Business Works. This is Hal Alpiar along with Johnny Stites, and we are going to address the subject of whether or not your startup, your business startup, or your professional practice startup should you get a credit card or a loan. There, there are, you know, we need to talk about that because that's a big question for everybody. And since it's all about money, and that's, you know, it's about money. It's not just for startups, by the way. I think this also applies to revitalizations and businesses that exist already that uh, where you're trying to expand and you have to decide between whether you want a loan or credit card. You, you know, these things uh, carry a lot of weight in different ways, and and uh, there are pluses and minuses for both. So we want to try to address those. Um, when you're launching a startup, where will you find the capital to get your venture off the ground and keep it afloat? Or if you're revitalizing or building your business now, same question. Personal and business credit cards are the capital that will get your venture off the ground or your uh, expansion or growth of the business and keep it afloat. Will they or won't they? Business and personal credit cards are an option if you're looking for convenience and flexibility. But as you cover business expenses and manage the the cash flow, um, there are other things to look at and, and how important is a loan to you um, and whether or not you have to deal with that long term. What does that mean? And is it better than a credit card? Johnny, maybe could you spread uh, spread some joy? <laughs> you could share some information uh, with us about uh, having gone through this, I'm sure, with your business o- over the years and with others that you work with. Thank you, Hal. I was in the construction business for 44 years. I never used a credit card for financing. Well, you were so rich to start. Is that what? Is no, that what the- no, wasn't it. It was just that credit cards cost a lot more. And even though they're very convenient and easy to gain, gain credit, you pay for that convenience quite a bit. What, what's like? What's a range? Do you can you share that or? Well, the ones that you normally see are twelve to eighteen percent, and you pay that every single month on the unpaid balance. Yeah, actually, I've seen some for twenty nine percent. There are some that are more than that. Yeah, uh, it's unusual to get one at twelve. They're usually around eighteen. The best use of a credit card I've ever heard of was a student who took the credit cards and got a new one every single semester and because he got interest-free loans for mm-hmm. the first um, 90 days or 180 days. So he'd work like a dog during that semester. To By the end of the semester, he'd pay off all of the loans that he had borrowed at the beginning of the semester get a new credit card, get another 90 days or 180 as the case might be, and he would do that all the way through four years of college. And what did that accomplish? Well, he had graduated with no debt, and he had no debt on his credit cards because he was paying them off every six months. He was working. But you have to be a tiger. I mean, you really have to make your mind up what you're going to well, do. Well, he was very disciplined. Off. And that's the thing about a credit card. Credit cards uh, are typically used most by people who are not disciplined, the debt of credit cards. That's most people probably. Yeah, and it's, it's Dave Ramsey will tell you it's just a unmerciful bind to get in when you get a lot of credit card debt. The other thing that I don't like about it is you aren't building any local relationships. 
The problem with local relationships is with banks is they can change with the wind. Dodd-Frank came along in 2008. Everybody that wanted to do some construction additions to their business were turned down, not because of the of the purpose of the loan or even the credit of the person asking for the loan. It's because the federal government decided we're not going to let banks loan any more money to construction projects. What did uh, what did Dodd Frank uh, maybe sh- well, Dodd spread Frank a little information a, on that? Uh, because uh, some people may not be aware of that. So Dodd Frank was a law that was passed by two outgoing uh, congressmen and senator who who made a law that came in and told banks who they can mon- loan money to and what they can loan money for. And it was very arbitrary, had nothing to do with the credit of the people or the veracity of the loan, the the project itself. And it just killed the market. That's why we had such a catastrophe in 2008, 2009, 2010. And in our company, we had to go to public work in 2011 just to survive because all of the private workers dried up. So it didn't matter how smart we were or how good a salesman we were or what a good projects we might have had, they they could not get financing. So it, you got to be cautious with banking in that uh, that their appetite for loans changes as the wind blows. And the old adage is a banker is one who will loan you an umbrella when the sun is shining and then take it away from you when it starts raining. <laughs> <laughs> and a bank or, or a credit union or an online lender can, can – can ask to see a copy of your business plan and analyze your business financials and, and all that. Credit card companies focus more on your personal credit score and credit history. So right. that is also a factor, and it depends on your circumstances. And if you don't have uh, or can't put together a business plan um, in the amount of time that you need to to do that, if the bank's asking for it, then maybe you don't have much choice except to look for wealthy family members <laughs> or which probably is well that could be the best source but sometimes it's not uh, so well yeah. the competitive rates that banks give is one of the reasons why I recommend using banks you get also a credit rating from the use of banks you can get that from credit cards also but it's really crazy how they measure those sometimes I've I've had my credit go down because I wasn't borrowing enough money from credit cards, is what the hmm. what the uh, rating bureaus gave me. So I think it's important for people who are considering credit to understand both areas, both the credit card and the banks. And we might talk some more about the banks after the break. Yeah, and I and I think also uh, the the credit cards as well, because they can be pretty valuable to a startup budget if it's it. it Because you can earn cash back for things like office supplies and advertising and things you might need for the business. So maybe it balances out, but there certainly are other considerations. So we will talk about the pros and the cons after we take a break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Hi, welcome back to BusinessWorks with Hal and Johnny. And we've been talking about credit cards versus loans for startups and also for business expansion purposes, what's better? When when do you know uh, what's better? How do you use these things and what to look for? One of the points that we want to consider, and it's pretty important, is to make sure you read the fine print 
because if a personal guarantee is required for a business credit card, for example, you may have to assume personal responsibility for any debt associated with the card. And that can be a real problem because the the credit card company could take your personal assets. There could all be, you know, you end up in major legal issues. It gets very sticky. So it may not, that's another reason you want to look very carefully at what you decide here. This is not a don't rush into it, whatever you do, because so give it some thought ahead of time. You don't want to get caught at the last minute um, starting to not be able to swim and look around for a life preserver. So you want to be able to be on the road to where you're headed and and then make the best decision you can. Johnny, you want to talk about that a little bit? And well, Hal, I always had this conundrum, too, as I was growing our business. Um I never felt comfortable trying to get uh, loans that I wasn't personally guaranteeing because I'm the guy that borrowed it personally. I owned the company. I felt like it was a debt that I created, whether it's in the company or out of the company. I never tried to get out of a personal guarantee. But you were aware of that it was there. Oh, yeah. I knew it was there, and I knew I'd have to pay for it. And um, If my business didn't flourish, then I might lose everything. That was just part of the deal. But I never felt comfortable telling a bank, you take all the risk, I'll take none. And that's really who I was dealing with. Because it was my company, I was the one making the decisions, and I didn't mind taking the risk on. There are many other people who built their portfolios of great real estate uh, amounts and do it all with no personal guarantees at all. And they have a different philosophy so just being aware, as you said, Hal, is important. You need to make sure that the people you're dealing with uh, um, are honorable and bankers and people like that. Because there have been many, many, many people who've been taken advantage of by not understanding what it was they're signing. So always read the documents. Try to understand what they're asking you to sign before you actually sign it. It's a smart thing to do. Yes, it is, and I and I appreciate your sharing that information. It, it is. Um, I think it's unusual that someone would have that attitude that you've had in in going for a loan and real and being very conscious of the idea of having to share that responsibility with the bank or with whoever. And there are not many people that really think that way, from what I understand. So, you know. And I'm glad it's worked out, but I can imagine the edginess it must have you must have felt at the time. Yeah, there. Are, I mean, everybody goes through those times in their business. You where put everything on the line. You really. put everything on the line. It was just my personal philosophy, and I don't criticize those who go a different route. I have dear friends who, uh, in fact, built a huge portfolios that way, and I'm I don't criticize them at all because they've made every payment that was necessary that I know of. And I feel like that it's just one of those things you need to go in with your eyes wide open. The other thing about banks that I learned, they're loaning money to us because of their perception of our risk and our risk to them, I should say. So it's important that we as borrowers help them to see how we're mitigating the risk. Uh, I had a banker one time say to me uh, that I was the only person that – he banked that was in the construction industry. And I asked, why Why is that? 
He said, well, you're just different than most of the people in I've that industry. I've been trying industry. to tell you that, Johnny. I know. <laughs> he said, what you, uh, what you told, what you show me is always the truth. What you tell me you're going to do is always the truth. Uh, you never surprise me. You have measurements that I think are important to being successful in your business. You have them up on your wall, and you keep up with where you are and what's happening. And finally, he said, you just... You just look different than most contractors. You always <laughs> nicely dressed and wear a tie. And don't let anybody tell you it doesn't matter what you look like when you go in to make a loan. You, you wear a tie, Johnny? Is that occasionally I do? <laughs> okay. And it's important that you, you can't just buffalo people with right. uh, looks, right. but it's also important that you look the part. That you fit. Yeah. That you fit yeah. the part. And I was always trying to show the people that were loaning me money why I was a good risk, why my loan was a loan that they could afford to give me a better rate because I was a better risk than some. Well, we also look, there are other sources of money, of course, and we might want to just touch on a couple of those. We've heard about angel investors. They can help you raise larger amounts for your startup without taking on debt, but then you have someone else in the game to deal with who becomes, whether you like it or not, serves and functions probably as a controlling influence and a partner. And so that's another complete issue. And I've seen people, I've worked with businesses where the angel investor was someone in the family, uh, an uncle, a cousin, something like that, and and that was forever regretted by the person who accepted their support because that individual putting all the money into the game is obviously going to be thinking um, protectively and, and trying to make sure that that money is well spent and that nobody's taking advantage. You know, it becomes a, a real anchor around your neck if you're doing that. I would say more than uh, more often the angel is the one who gets the shaft because they loan money to people <laughs> that, that are in like their family. That sounds like a book title, The Angel Gets the Shaft. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where that – well, so, anyway, that's another story. Maybe it's a sermon title. I think um, that it's important that um, if you understand if you borrow money from family members, you create another dynamic – Right, because family businesses are exceedingly different. That's right. Than those that are not family. Yep. You have another dynamic that you have to deal with in managing your business. Well, we have um, uh, that, of course, and then there's raising money from things, crowdfunding these days. People are doing that, like Kickstarter and Indiegogo, uh, and and those have some value for certain things, for creative undertakings and other types of businesses, they work okay, but they are also high risk. And with something like Kickstarter, if you don't raise the money that you pledge to raise, they do not give you anything back. You don't even get the names of those who have donated. So if you have a $30,000 goal and you raise $29,000, you don't get it and you don't get the names of who donated. And it's, you know, so you could spend a lot of energy and time on things like that. The bottom line is consider using more than one funding option. Um, credit cards and loans can help, but d be careful. That's all. And I think that the whole point here is that we don't want to don't want to rock the boat in, on the money end of things 
it means you really have to plan more carefully and and be ready for these different alternatives so that you're not wasting time and energy. The Bible says you can't be yoked with unbelievers. And the whole point is you don't want you you want to get in business with people that don't have your values, that, that don't adhere to your right. culture, right. whether they're employees or investors. You want people who all are bought into where the, the company is going. Right. And it's the reason why that uh, I would never invest in some business, no matter how profitable it is, that was not consistent with my value structure. Right. And so it's important that you not let people get into your business that don't have your values because they'll be trying to run the business in a different way. And I I might add that we haven't discussed it, but I'll just throw it in as a last comment, um, that this applies equally, this whole issue of discussing family and angel investors and all that, to husband and wife. Because a lot of times people think that because their their marriage partner is going to be different than an outside investor, um, they may be opening another door to problems because, as you say, as soon as you get in with family, there are a lot of issues. And that's particularly true in that relationship. So um, do a lot of homework is the bottom line. And uh, as you do it, keep your eyes wide open. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back to BusinessWorks. This is Hal and Johnny. We're talking about funding alternatives for startups and for revitalizations and business and professional practice, growth and development programs, anything where you might need outside cash to cover expenses that you had not planned for. Um, So planning is key. Johnny, you were going to talk about a couple more comments I think you had about banks and funding options and how we can... Right. I, want, I think it's important that people who are doing uh, funding of projects, uh, whether it be the, their own or as we were doing other people's projects, and they need money, that they don't put all their eggs in one basket. Every bank would tell you, oh, yeah, we can handle all your banking needs. That's just not accurate. I don't think they're trying to mislead people, but sometimes... Their portfolio gets over-leveraged in one area. Like uh, about two years ago, everybody was saying, we just can't make any more money on hotels in Cookville because we've already got too many hotels in our portfolio. And so then they start uh, not making loans. Well, if you happen to be in the need for a loan for a hotel, um, you got to go out of town or you got to find somebody somewhere that will loan it to you. And and then at one at one time I remember it was apartments. Everybody's jumping on apartments, and then they got too many of them. So you've got to make certain that you don't forget and have one banking relationship. Because if you do, then you are going to be subject to whatever shortcomings they have as a bank. Maybe they I, I went into a bank in the seventies and asked for a loan. It was a good loan. I needed the loan. It was important. And I was told, well, you know, our loan-to-deposit ratio is out of whack now, so we're just not making any loans. That wasn't my fault. I walked straight out of that bank and went down the street, and for the first time in my career, I had two banking relationships. I've never had one since. All right. Well, you know, and the the other point here I think is worth mentioning is that it, it may seem and look like your local friendly bank, and maybe they are, and they may be great people, 
But the bottom line is most banks are dictated to by their corporate headquarters, which may have nothing whatsoever to do with the area that you're in and maybe are not even informed enough to be able to adjust themselves or their their uh, just, you know their rules and regulations about or more how importantly, are they could be dictated to by the federal government through the FDIC right. or OCC. And, and so then you got that too. So yeah. there's umbrellas on top of umbrellas. That's right. right. The, the problem is, I think that when people are not in the area and making the decisions on their own directly back to corporate headquarters you have much less chance of survival uh, with getting a loan and making it work because the the people on the other end of it um, don't have an investment in you or your community. No, that's right. And it's important that you understand this because um, there were several times in my career when the bank would come to me and say, Johnny, we love you. You're up to date on all your notes with us. You're making every payment. We believe you're a great client. However, our home office says we got to get out of construction loans mm-hmm. right now. And so I was required to leave that bank and go find a loan somewhere else. Well, every time you do that, you have to pay for new appraisals, right. new closing costs, new attorneys, everything. And, 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 you know, the other thing is be careful with the marketing that's coming out from the banks. Really examine it carefully. See exactly what they're saying. They may talk about how they are great neighbors and they do this and that and they understand everything. But the bottom line is if if their corporate decision making is taking place in midtown Manhattan or uh, Los Angeles and you're on the other end of it or you're somewhere in between those cities – they may not have very good insight about what the area is all about that you are in and why something that's important to you should be meaningful to them. And they, they're not looking at that. They, so be careful with the marketing that you hear and see. You know, really look at it and take it apart and understand what it is that a bank is saying about itself and if they really are pretending maybe to – to be uh, invested in your community. I I can think of some specific examples where that's true, so I'm I'm not going to mention them, of course. Just remember that this is a way to remember this. You want to be sure that uh, all the people you deal with in banking are people that you know and they know you. Because people, in the final analysis, people do business with people, not institutions or organizations. People do business with people. They do. That's a good place for us to end up here today. And I I thank you, Johnny. We look forward to seeing you back again next week, and we will be talking about community. And thank you so much for your time and attention today. You have a great day ahead.